0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl. Also, Glenda Lee allen Vossler will chat with Robin Anderson with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. And up first in today's country comment, we'll have details on the Provincial Weed Survey. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Agriculture is just wrapping up its Provincial Weed Survey. I caught up with weed specialist Kim Brown-Livingston.
1: We're just wrapping up uh, pretty much the last two fields of our Provincial Weed Survey. And this is a survey that we do in conjunction with Agriculture Canada. And uh, we, um, we do this about every five or six years now. Uh, the plan was to do it last year, but with COVID it got pushed back a year. So uh, all of the provinces are done. Um, Alberta does theirs, Saskatchewan does theirs, and then Manitoba. We do them all on separate years because it's a lot of work um, for Ag Canada to coordinate. Um, but in Manitoba, this is our year, and so our fo- we're, this is a follow-up to our last survey in 2016, and we've had uh, multiple surveys before that. And uh, so this is our ongoing series of provincial weed surveys, and, uh, yeah, we're surveying weeds in, in uh, about uh, close to 700 fields across the province right now.
0: What have you been seeing out there?
1: You know, it's actually um, been really good. We've, we've seen a lot. We've been in a lot of different fields, obviously. We are surveying the top six crops in Manitoba, which is uh, wheat, canola, soybeans, and then field corn, barley, and oats. And we've also chosen to survey extra fields on top of that. We're looking at pinto beans, um, field peas, and also sunflowers. So some of the fields um, are very weedy, as we'd expect. Some of our crops have um, some of those, especially those last crops I mentioned. Um, they've got more limited herbicide options in them, so sometimes we, the weeds can get away in those crops. And in other crops, they're very, very they're they're very clean. So generally, though, we've seen uh, pretty clean crops um, considering the year. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised, um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. There's a got a couple theories on that. I'm thinking that. With, uh, you know, our, a lot of our crops got seeded very late, but they actually came up real, really quickly and they grew very, very quickly. They had adequate moisture, obviously, and, um, and with enough heat, um, they really got going and they kind of got up ahead of some of those weeds. So, um, you know, I think that's part of it. Um, but, yeah, we've been pleasantly surprised. Some of the fields, we, we haven't seen as many weeds as I expected we'd see in some of these fields.
0: What about weeds, um, noxious weeds um, like water hemp and, and palmer amaranth? Have you come across anything like that? Or?
1: No, well, we haven't come across anything in the survey. Um, and, you know, I think that would have been very random to actually find one of those weeds in our fields when, you know, we're only able to survey a small part of each field that we're in. So the chance of finding one of those weeds in our survey was really, really small. Um, as tier one noxious weeds, things like water hemp and palmer amaranth, shouldn't be in this province, and because when we find them, we eradicate them. They must be destroyed immediately because we can't let them, you know, um, gain gain a hold in this province. Um, so we have not found any of those yet. However, I do expect that if we were going to be seeing that, we would start to be seeing those about now. Um, those are weeds that grow very quickly and in some of our shorter statured crops. Even our soybeans, some of them can get quite tall, but you know, you're really not talking much more than waist or, or you know, chest height on a, soy- on a even the biggest of the soybean plants. Um, and then our dry beans and and, and things like that, uh, we do tend to start. That's where we start to see things like the Palmer and the water hemp. That's where we found them. Um, there could very well be some of those weeds in our taller row crops, like uh, like you know, corn and sunflower. But we just can't see them, um, so we don't know that they're there. Um, I know we haven't found any of those yet. Uh, we certainly didn't find any in the survey, um, but I would not be surprised if we start to get a call, you know, to come out and identify some of these weeds. It should be happening shortly.
0: What about, um, you know, other other um, herbicide-resistant weeds? Did you come across anything like that? Or?
1: Well, I mean, we won't know with a, with the main part of our survey. We, we don't know that, but we do start to come back, and we come back to a quarter of the fields um, and uh, across the province. So it's about a... a a little bit less than a quarter. I think it's about 160 fields across the province. We come back to and we actually gather weed seeds and then we send those away. Ag, Ag Canada does the work on those. Um, they, they, that's work done with Dr. Charles Geddes and he actually analyzes those. Those weed seeds are grown out and then they're actually tested for multiple herbicide resistance. And um, groups that they that he checks with or checks for. And uh, so that where that part of the survey is going on right now. So we try to get into those fields as close as we can to harvest to actually harvest the weed seeds. And then so that one, you know, the results from that take a while uh, because those seeds have to be gathered and then uh, grown out and then sprayed. and then the results are, you know, um you know the results they'd have to do the statistics and things on all the results but um after that then you know we can kind of talk about the results of that i'm hoping you know we should see some of that work some of those answers you know later on in in in, into the new year i would expect
0: kim uh, anything else stand out for you uh
1: this year uh, no, it, it's been a, a really good survey so far. You know, I've had, we've had lots of help with our, our, our staff and our summer students and, and uh, some people in the community that have been helping us out, and we're really thankful for that. Uh, we're really thankful for the farmers that have allowed us onto their properties and, and into their fields and, and to let us take a look at the weeds. Um, these surveys are really valuable. They've been gone going for decades. Um, as They go back a very long time. And we also, there's also uh, a management Uh, questionnaire that's done um, for all of the people whose fields are surveyed. And so that gives us a really good insight as to, you know, changing management practices and how that's affecting weeds and weed control and, and, you know, issues that are arising from weeds in in our crops. So these surveys are really, really valuable. They're a ton of work, um, and I really appreciate um, just all the work that our, our own staff has been doing as well as the farmers that have been collaborating with us, we really appreciate um, being able to work with them.
0: That was Provincial Weed Specialist Kim Brown Livingston. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. A public consultation on the federal government's call for a 30% reduction in fertilizer emissions by the end of 2030 wraps up at the end of August. The Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri-Food and Food Security is John Barlow. The public consultation
2: is just a farce. They, they are going to move ahead with this 30% uh, reduction in fertilizer use. And this is something that's going to impact, impact not only every single producer, no matter what commodity you grow in Canada, but it's also going to impact every single consumer. If you eat, uh, you'll be impacted, as this will certainly uh, increase grocery prices when we've already seen grocery prices um, skyrocket you know more than 10% as a result of inflation since June.
0: Barlow says he's been meeting with producers across the country, hearing their concerns, and the Liberals' fertilizer reduction is the key topic, especially with what's happening in the Netherlands and Sri Lanka. And Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers highlighted its on-farm dry bean trials at an event held earlier this month in Morden. Production specialist Laura Schmidt.
3: So the goal of our on-farm network, that is to test new products and practices on farmers' field with farmers' equipment at the field scale. So really... Taking all those products and and practices that are coming from the applied research and making it applicable to the farm. We're first of all trying to answer specific farmers' questions, you know, what nitrogen rate works best on my farm for dry beans or what tillage practice works best there. But then from the larger data set of having all of these on-farm trials across Manitoba, across some of our different growing regions, what larger conclusions can we draw that are going to be applicable to every farmer here in Manitoba that is growing dry beans?
0: Schmidt says they currently have two on-farm dry bean trials ongoing right now. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Monday, August 22nd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen-Wassler chats with Robin Anderson with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. Agriculture is one of the most rewarding, but also one of the most challenging and dangerous industries around. Each year, a number of people are injured on the job, especially during the rush of harvest. Today, Lee allen Wasser talks with Robin Anderson, the communications consultant with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association.
4: Now, Robin, of course, harvest activities are getting underway in a number of areas, and it's really important that we once again take that time to remind producers about safety during the harvest season.
5: Yes, absolutely. Uh, we know from the Canadian Agriculture Injury Reporting data that most um, fatal injuries occur during July, August, September, October, and of course, those are peak harvest months. So it's really essential that folks, you know, uh, keep a mind on safety as they go about their business. That's for sure.
4: So when we're talking about farm safety and keeping uh, in mind that this is one of the busiest times of the year for producers, what kind of things should they be doing?
5: Absolutely. 100% is looking after themselves first. The first thing that always seems to go when folks are busy and and I know it's a rush, right? Everyone wants to get that crop off, um, you know, and do that work is they tend to not do things like get adequate rest or adequate nutrition, So those things tend to fall down. And when you're not sleeping, you're not rested, you're not eating well, you're not hydrated, you can sometimes make decisions that you normally wouldn't make. You might take a shortcut that you might not normally take. You might do things that are completely out of your nature to do because you are exhausted, you're hungry, you're fatigued. Um, So taking care of yourself is the number one thing folks can do to really ensure that they are going to have a very successful and safe harvest season.
4: Staying focused is key and being able to do that comes from having that rest and the proper nutrition. And that's more than just getting out of the combine, grabbing a quick sandwich and jumping back in.
5: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's making sure you're getting that adequate rest, right? You know, You know, really evaluating, you know, you know, it's an ROI, return on investment. If I get this much sleep, I can do this much better. If I take a minute to myself, I get some, I get a break from the vibrations of the machine. I get a break from, you know, um, making all these decisions. I get a break from running to a town for parks, those sorts of things. Those investments can return exponentially. Um, you know, we do know that if a farmer is killed um, on the, is killed, generally that primary, that farm doesn't survive the death of the primary farmer. So even, and that's very catastrophic, but even a lost time injury, even a minor injury that might require a trip into, you know, the local doctor, those are lost times that can be avoided by making those decisions to put that investment into your own health and well-being.
4: And when we're not eating well, when we're not getting enough rest, it also weighs on us mentally as well.
5: Oh, absolutely. Right. We, we all know that, you know, farming is a really stressful occupation. There's a lot of things that are out of farmers' control, things like weather, market prices, policies, those things you can't control. So that's a lot of stress. You know, there are some things that we absolutely can't control. Um, So, that mental well-being is absolutely impacted by things like nutrition sleep um, and talking about those things absolutely that's really 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 important Um, you know those are just really important things to do to just serve your farm your family and yourself
4: now moving on when we are talking about harvest safety as you said the number one thing is to make sure that we take care of ourselves But it's also very important that we know the hazards in and around the yard and where we're working. Oh,
5: absolutely. Uh, We do know like the top mechanisms of injury always involve um, farm equipment. Machinery rollovers and machinery runovers are the top um two ways that people die um so you know there's simple things that we can always do uh pre-inspection walk just taking a walk around the farm equipment the farm machinery to make sure there aren't any uh, bystanders children um aren't aren't anywhere nearby Uh, making sure that we're doing things like wearing our seatbelt with our rocks up Uh, those sorts of things are really basic really easy things to do to help prevent any injuries Um, those pre those pre um operational inspections those also can save time right if you know if you're able to just do a quick walk around check out everything you know you might notice something that needs maintenance that'll save your you save you time from a breakdown or you know worst case scenario or rollover so or another sort of um, a, a, a incident so it's really important to really take that time to do those to do those looks um, to make sure there's nobody around and you know i really would like to stress that you know places where riders aren't appropriate that's really important to follow that um you know we are seeing you know children unfortunately a lot of the time um you know dying from being run over um so it's really important that we remember that as well and i know it's and it's one of those really great things. I grew up on a farm. You know, I love farming. It's, it's in my blood. It's a passion of mine. Um, and it, it's really important that we teach children the love of uh, farming in the safest as way well as possible. So if it's not appropriate for having that, it's not appropriate to have that child on equipment. So i really just like to remind folks to just uh, keep that in mind um, as they're, they're getting into harvest here.
4: And the other thing, uh, you know, harvest is a very busy and a very exciting time on the farm, and a lot of people like to come out and and help. And it's really important that the people that are helping are well-trained and know what they're doing. Absolutely. And
5: orientation, training, super important. You know, I think about it in a way, you know, I wouldn't go to... Um, you know, factory and say, hey, I'm really here to help. And they, they wouldn't just throw me on the floor and say, here you go, right? I would have to go through some pretty vigorous training um, in order to able to do those for that work. So it's really important The same with a farm is, you know, if there are folks that are wanting to come help, help, understanding their competency level, understanding what um, training that you can provide. Those sorts of things are really important. And even folks that might have done it before but haven't done it for a while, you know, you tend to forget things. So having that refresher course or having that conversation again about how to do those things, that's really, really important.
4: That's Robin Anderson, the Communications Coordinator with the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. For Golden West, I'm Glenda Lee Allen Bossler.
0: Thanks, Glenda Lee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout the month of August. The hours are 1 to 4 p.m. The Canadian Wildlife Federation is offering a webinar on Canada's 10 most invasive plants. That takes place August 30th from noon until 1. You can register on the Canadian Wildlife Federation website. Fall on the Farm takes place at the Mennonite Heritage Village in Steinbach September 5th. The Cultivate Sustainability Conference and Trade Show is planned for September 7th at the RBC Convention Centre in Winnipeg. Register for the conference at foodbeveragesmb.ca. And looking ahead, the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is hosting its fifth annual Regenerative Agriculture Conference, November 14th and 15th in Brandon. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, joining us now is Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl to give his take on farmers and the prove-it generation.
6: There are a couple of of. of- Points of divide, and, and I think as as an industry we need to we need to work on on closing these gaps. And uh, you know, one of those is is just just the impression of what modern agriculture is. Uh, you know, I have have seen polls, and it comes again and again that farmers rank among the most trusted uh, trusted professions by uh, by Canadians, and and that's true. Um, but you know, that also comes with that perception of, of I call it the old McDonald farm, of, of three pigs and four chickens and, and a cow. And, and that's not modern agriculture. And uh, Canadians don't have an understanding or a perception of, of modern agriculture. And that leads, to, uh, that leads to pushback on things like, uh, like genetic technology or, or modern uh, livestock operations. Or fertilizer use, which is one that has been in the news recently, and and those those differences in perceptions also result in in, uh, in policies that aren't aren't good for the industry. So we need to close that gap around the understanding of uh, of what agriculture modern agriculture means. Um, we need to talk to uh, our urban counterparts, uh, but we also need to talk to our, our politicians as well and and uh, work on closing that gap because if we don't. Um, we're going to get regulations and legislation that we don't like.
0: There was a few different things you touched on here on how to how to change that narrative. Um, talk about that.
6: Yeah, one of the we, we can't just talk about what we do, right? We we have to uh, we have to prove it. Um, and and Canadians are are looking for uh, for indications that we're doing the right thing, whether that's around animal welfare or food safety or environment. And, and that's where the the assurance programs come in. Uh, you know, in the livestock side, almost every every livestock sector does have assurance programs. In in uh, in the pork sector, we're we're updating that now to uh, uh, to revised uh, uh, be in compliance with the revised code of practice and uh, always continuously improving based on uh, based on science, based on research. Uh, you know, what are the best practices for welfare? Are we following them? Do we need to update? Uh, update uh, our our best management practices, and we, and we need to we need to uh, audit those programs. We need to make sure that they're they're being followed, um, because that's that's how we have that conversation with with our consumers, and that's how we have that conversation with with government when uh, we talk about again what's the best practices for animal welfare that that we can go back and say you know what we got this we're we're doing it. Uh, we have a code of practice in place. We have assurance programs in place. There's audits in place, uh, and that uh, we really are meeting and, and in most cases, exceeding uh, society's expectations.
0: Talk a little bit more about um, just some changes you'd like to see in in the way agriculture is portrayed in you know, in advertising. You know, you mentioned that little red barn, but yeah. um, just showing showing how things actual actually are.
6: I think that's a problem um, uh, across. Uh, Across all of agriculture, it's not just in advertising, but it definitely exists in advertising, that that uh, public comfort perception, um, if you're in downtown Toronto, is that old McDonald farm. Uh, and, and we want you know, to, to work on, on people's comfort levels. And, and so that's what we portray. Uh, we portray uh, agriculture from, from 60, 70 years ago. Uh, and, and we don't look at a modern livestock operation. We don't talk about uh, how fertilizer is used, we don't talk about genetic technology, we don't talk about modern agriculture, and we need to, um, because the environmental benefits that agriculture is bringing to the table, and they're significant, um, are a result of technology. Uh, things like minimum tillage uh, and precision farming, these are, these are bringing massive environment, environmental benefits. Uh, and, and we can't talk about those effectively if we don't talk about modern agriculture. We should so- showcase it. Um, you know, uh, let's let old MacDonald retire and, uh, and uh, let's, let's really focus and, and highlight uh, modern agriculture and uh, modern, uh, modern farming.
0: One uh, program you highlighted here, uh, Canadian Pork Excellence. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that program.
6: Yeah, this is uh, this is an update to uh, the uh, the uh, Canadian Quality Assurance Program that was in place or is in place now, uh, and again, it's really just updating the, those food safety and animal welfare uh, assurance uh, components uh, to uh, to to the modern uh, modern understanding of science. So it's based on research, it's based on updates to the code of practice, uh, and just. You know that continuous improvement in the uh, in the, the assurance program that all farmers are expected to uh, all hog farmers are expected to to comply to, uh, and and that will be fully we're in the middle of that transition now. It's, it was delayed a little bit because of uh, because of COVID, but uh, all all producers are, are going to be expected to be on on that updated program by 2023. And that's just the continuous uh, evolution the the upgrading. Uh, making sure that we're, we're on side with, uh, with the latest understanding ar- around um, you know what we need to do for food safety and, and animal care.
0: That was Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The goal of the MPSG on-farm network is to test new products and practices on farmers' fields with farmers' equipment at the field scale. Laura Schmidt is a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The group highlighted its dry bean on-farm trials at an event in Morden earlier this month.
3: This year uh, we have fewer trials um, in dry beans. We do have two trials ongoing right now. Uh, If there is more interest in foliar fungicides, we're getting a little late in terms of that application. Uh, But right now we have two for this year. uh, Looking at One's looking at a biological product and then another's looking at foliar fungicide.
0: And the Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri-Food and Food Security says there's a growing frustration in the agriculture sector with the Liberal government's Fertilizer Reduction Plan. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibo stresses they want to see a 30% reduction in fertilizer emissions by the end of 2030, not fertilizer use. John Barlow says it's one and the same. It's
2: just uh, syntax and semantics. Uh, you can't reduce emissions unless you're reduce, reducing fertilizer use. Um, what they're trying to they're, they're they're in trouble they realize that this is a policy that is not going over well certainly with uh with canadian farmers but uh consumers are going to start to feel this as well and they are trying to uh you know try to spin their way out of this
0: barlow says he's been meeting with producers across the country hearing their concerns especially with what they see happening in the netherlands and sri lanka i'll be back after this to wrap up today's program We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email the farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.